The following is a sponsored program on 100.7 FM, WHIN 1010 AM. The views, information, or opinions expressed during this program are solely those of the individuals or participants involved and do not necessarily represent those of Braden Madison Broadcasting or its employees. 100.7 FM, WHIN 1010 AM presents Sumner County Spotlight, a weekly public affairs program each Sunday morning at 10 AM. Sumner County Spotlight is brought to you exclusively by FNM Bank, 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville. FNM Bank offers personal banking, business banking, and mortgage loans too. FNM Bank is one of the top independent banks in Tennessee. Member FDIC, equal housing lender, MMLS number 518158. Here's your host for Sumner County Spotlight. Jeff Shannon. Well, welcome into Summer County Spotlight. I'm your host, Jeff Shannon. On this Sunday morning, of course, our show sponsored by our friends at FNM Bank at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard right here in Hendersonville. This morning, we finally were able to get her in. Ladies and gentlemen, the market president and CEO of Sumner Regional, Susan Peach. You got to mark this day in history because we were able to, to get you in here. Well, I appreciate it. Well, thank you. So I guess what we can do, uh, just kind of kick it off so everybody kind of gets to know you, how you got to where you're at right now, because that's a pretty impressive journey. Well, thank you. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here and happy Mother's Day to everyone and uh, happy hospital week and happy nurses week. Yes. Uh, and uh, spoken from a true nurse, uh, as I tell my story and my journey to how I got to be the market president and CEO of Sumner Regional Medical Center in the High Point Health System. I have to go back a few years, you know, when I started and uh, I'm a bootstraps kind of pull up your bootstraps kind of leader. Okay. I tell people that all the time. Uh, I went to a two-year AD nursing degree program because I have always been impatient and I wanted to get out there and work. I've always wanted to be a nurse since I was a little girl. I dreamed of uh, working in a hospital and being a nurse. So a long time ago, as I graduated from that program and went to work in a large hospital in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, spent a few years at the bedside and worked my way up into nursing management, but worked in all areas of healthcare in, in many hospitals, from the ER to the surgery suite to uh, working at the bedside for mid-surge patients and then in critical care. I have always been, I guess, a natural leader and someone who wanted to make it better for patients, uh, make it better for nurses, change change the way we do things so that we are focused on the patient. Right and focused on um, removing barriers from getting the work done and making the hospital a safer place, a safer place for uh, people to practice and a safer place for patients to go. So as I, I tell people all the time, nobody wakes up in the morning and says, gee, I think I'll get sick and go to the hospital. But sometimes that happens. Sometimes we wake up sick. Sometimes we're in an automobile wreck. Sometimes we have a stroke. Sometimes things happen to us. And my goal in life has been to create hospitals and systems where when you need us, we are there and we are great. Uh, we have wonderful staff, wonderful doctors who are at the top of their game clinic because you need that. You need them to be nice and warm and friendly, but you also need really smart people who know how to put the puzzle pieces together and come up with a great diagnosis. Well, you know, the hospital it just seems to be most people maybe don't realize this what a big wheel this is yeah. this is a a massive undertaking it is with so many departments so many specialists and so many departments how do you do that yeah it's wow. uh, well you don't do it right out 
of the shoot. I didn't do it as a young nurse, for sure. I didn't understand the complexity. And you learn over time. And I am an avid reader and an avid learner. I went back to school, uh, got my baccalaureate degree and took, became a head nurse back in the day. It was called a head nurse. And I remember coming home. I was not married at the time and coming home to my dad and saying, guess what? I have to do a budget. And he, he was a chief financial officer and he just laughed at me. And he said, I'm going to help you one time. And then you have to go back to school and you have to learn how to do this. If you want to be a leader in healthcare, healthcare is complicated. There's a financial piece. There's a marketing piece. There's lots of communication, lots of process improvement. This is a complex entity and you've got to go back and get your degree. So I did. Went back and got my MBA. In that program, we studied American and international business. It was an executive MBA program out of Georgia State. And I learned so much that I didn't know. So much, you know, I've always been a little cocky and thought I knew it all, but I was humbled in that program because I didn't really understand the business aspect, the supply chain, the HR components, all legal. I mean, legal is just, you know, surrounds us with all the boundaries that uh, and regulatory agencies that we have to comply with. And the hardest part of all of this, all that other stuff is easy. It's dealing with people and their personalities. Oh boy. That has to be You're so right. (laughs) And I'm glad you brought that up because part of what I am so proud of at Sumner Regional Medical Center, and actually it's been the philosophy I've lived by my entire career, is that the culture determines the outcomes in an organization. If you have a great culture where people feel like they are listened to, they are paid attention to, they are valued, and it is a safe place to work. And when I say safe place, I have been in, oh, probably 600 hospitals in my career. And we'll talk about that in a minute because I did turnaround work for a long time. Uh, When hospitals were in trouble, they would call me and my team and we would come in and quote unquote fix them. But uh, what I learned over the years was the best way to create a great hospital is to create a great culture. And what that means is you have to create a culture where it is not okay to be a jerk. Mm. In many, many hospitals, there, there are secrets that are held in that people get away with bad behavior. Uh, Not only doctors, but uh, primarily doctors and and some other folks get away with bullying and not being nice to other people. And that cannot happen. And the reason it cannot happen is it affects patient safety. If people are afraid to speak up and say, you know what, doc, or you know what, nurse, or you know what, whoever, administrator, I don't think that's right. Mistakes happen. Mm-hmm. So what we've done at Sumner Regional and throughout the whole LifePoint system is create a culture where you don't get to be a jerk and work there. Good. And I hold fast to that, and so does my entire team and the entire medical executive committee. So it's not like uh, you see on New Amsterdam. That's right. <laughs> yeah, you see show. it on TV. That's right. You do. You do. Uh, we try our level best to not do that there. And when it happens, people raise their hand and say, you know what, that's not appropriate. Good. And we deal with it. Good. I mean, I recently had an interaction with the at the emergency room here at the, the station. Is that what yeah, they call it? Yeah, that's right. Sumner Station. Sumner Station. And I had seen that facility there for, gosh, ever since we've, we've gotten here and just wondered like what that building was. And I saw the emergency room thing. I thought it was on the side was emergency. But I have a whole new vision of what that, that building is now. I was quite amazed and I was very impressed when I went in there how fast we were able to get in and get the procedure it was obviously a minor one but uh, I think it was Dr. Lee yeah yeah Uh, she was very nice came in dealt with my daughter professionally and we were able to get in and out of there pretty quickly yeah so it was uh you know it's good to have that plus it was like five minutes away yeah that's a great thing absolutely 
Absolutely. You know, Sumner Station was a vision of mine. Many people know I've been in Sumner County for 25 years. Bought a little horse farm up in Portland and I love it there. When I first came to Sumner Regional, Sumner Station was in place. It was built as a wellness center. And in fact, many of the things we do there are about wellness. Mm -hmm. But I saw the opportunity to put in a freestanding emergency room. I felt like there was a dramatic need in our community to add those services close to home because when you have an emergency, you don't want to go far and you want someone that is excellent to assess your needs and take care of you. And that's what we provide there. Dr. Lee, as you mentioned, is one of our uh, emergency room physicians. They are all board certified and uh, emergency room residency trained. Dr. Lee trained at Stanford. They are all Ivy League trained physicians and phenomenal. And our staff at Sumner Station, uh, they know that their goal is to do everything they can to get people in and out quickly. Again, nobody says, gee, I'll go spend four hours in an ER. So <laughs> they, they want you to get a diagnosis, get treatment and go back home yeah. or go to the hospital if you need to. Yeah. And, you know, we can transport you Well, there. the great thing with that facility, it's amazing how quick you can get on 386 because it's right there. Yeah. So if they have to ship you downtown or yeah. you have to go downtown Gallatin to the yeah. main hospital. We're right there. It, it's so easy to get to. So it, it's a great location for it, for sure. Yeah, it is. And, you know, we've put medical offices in that building. We have the Carpenter Cancer Center. Uh, the Cancer Center has doubled in volume in the time that we opened it uh, since 2016. And we provide fantastic services services there. Uh, We have a new physician, Dr. Friedman, who does uh, the same amounts of uh, radiation in shorter time periods. So instead of going 20 times, you only have to go five. And again, in and out as fast as possible so you can get back to your life, get back to doing what you love. I guess we don't need to cover the pandemic. That was... Oh, yeah, please. I don't think any hospitals hospitals want to say, okay, that's in the past. We're done with that. We learned from it. Let's move on. Yeah, well, we, we and I am very proud of what we did. You know, I won't go over the whole story. It it was on the news and in the paper. I'm so proud of our staff, our doctors, our nurses, our respiratory therapists, our lab, everyone who was in the hospital, every housekeeper. You know, we wore spacesuits for months. We were hot and sweaty and taking care of really sick people. And our staff continued to do that. And uh, I'm so proud of what they did. But we did learn a lot through that. We learned how important having visitors for patients was when we couldn't do that. We Mm -hmm. learned how important teamwork was. And we learned that we could do things that we never imagined we could do. I turned that hospital inside out and upside down to accommodate twice as many patients as we normally do every day. So you you really learned the art of triage. Yes. Big time. (laughs) And process improvement and innovation. And we were learning uh, as we were going, but we had some of the lowest mortality rates in the state and in the nation. We learned from that. So the next question is, How's it looking? right now. Yeah, so we are uh, we are excited. You know, we have seen a huge decrease in COVID in our community. Thank goodness. Thank goodness for all of us. And the hospital is open. The ERs are open. We are doing surgery. We are doing procedures. Everything is uh, back to normal. And uh, we are I- advancing. You know, even during the pandemic, I am a, a huge advocate of strategy and vision. That's my job as the leader. And uh, because I've been to so many 
many hospitals across the country, I know what the potential is here in Sumner County. And we have huge potential here. Yeah. So during the pandemic, we stood up a neurosurgery program, which is quite the feat. Uh, this is brain surgery and mm. surgery on your spinal cord. And we stood that up. It's been wildly successful. We've done now over 150 surgical cases on the brain and the spine. Uh, the outcomes are wonderful. The surgeons are very happy. And our staff is excited that we'll be able to do more of that. So even even in a crisis, you can do great things. Yeah, absolutely. In past shows, and I, I've talked to this and the people listening know that I've just been one of these people that have been really shocked about the mental health crisis with our children. Mm-hmm. This has become, I, I has to be epidemic proportions, the, the, the number of children that are experiencing mental problems, the COVID, the pandemic, social media, yeah. all of that. Do you, do you guys have a, a children's facility? We, we have a pediatric unit. We had to close it during the pandemic because of the capacity issues. Right. But uh, we do see children uh, in the hospital and in our surgery areas and in our emergency room. And you are right. There is a grave crisis fa- facing us with our children and mental health disorders. There are facilities here in Middle Tennessee, but it is difficult. There difficult is, to get in. I know there that. There is a drug <laughs> issue that is sort of at the surface that I think we all know about, but mm-hmm. unless it's in your family. It may not be right on your radar, but we have a drug issue. We also have a huge issue with depression with young people. Yes. And I do know that Dr. Phillips is addressing this in the school system, and I have been in touch with our legislators about this. There's a huge need to build better systems and address the problem quicker before we face a young teenager with suicidal tendencies. Right. Well, I mean, having all these services available, I mean, it's, you know, you never know what's going to happen. I mean, just like emergency room, you can, sure. everything's going nice and quiet. Next thing you know, you're bombarded with a bunch of cases just coming through the door. So you have to be prepared for whatever happens to come in. Yeah. Uh, but it looks like you, you've put the staff in place and gosh, with your experience uh, on doing this and, and doing all the acquisition work that you did, that kind of just set you up to, to walk right into this role. Well, uh, yes, definitely. <laughs> uh, I, I have been the person that has had the vision uh, along with my team. I, I have a wonderful team at Sumner Regional Medical Center. Great leaders and great staff. And you know, when you have a great vision, you, you have to make sure that it's, it's gonna work. And so you have to test it. You have to talk to people. So I I have a lot of meetings with a lot of stakeholders and a lot of community folks and say, Mm -hmm. hey, if we did this, what do you think about that? Mm -hmm. Would it work? What should I think about as I'm building this? And when you do that, you get closer to what is going to work. All of that has meant, though, that we have a tremendous need for more staff as we're growing. You know, there's a nursing shortage all over the country. And we've known about this for a long time. It's been coming, but it's, it's right there in front of us right now. Well, you know, it's it's good that we're gonna end with that for this segment. On the other yeah. side, we're gonna talk about that and yeah. the, the nursing shortage, the things you have coming up, because you have a sure. lot on your plate coming up. Yeah. And we're gonna find out more with Susan Peach. She's the marketing president and CEO of Sumner Regional. We'll be right back with more of Sumner County Spotlight. FNM Bank presents Sumner County Spotlights. Since 1906, FNM Bank has been serving Middle Tennessee with first-class products and services. Visit them today at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville or myfmbank.com. Welcome back to Sumner County Spotlight with your host, Jeff Shannon. We've been talking with Susan Peach. She's the market president and CEO of Sumner Regional Medical Center here in Sumner County. You know, and you were talking about, you know, the the complexities of the job. Being up there at the top, you have to manage all of these departments 
I don't see how you do it. But I mean, it's just a, a huge machine like we, t- we had mentioned before, but there's so many things to manage and you have a great staff. And I think that's really the key because that you, you can't do every single thing. No, you can't. You can't do it all. And you're, you know, the key to success in leadership is having a vision and being able to prioritize your work to achieve the outcomes that you desire. So you have to have great people. You know, I'm a no nonsense kind of leader. What you see is what you get. First of all, I'm, you know, getting a little older and a little grayer and uh, sometimes can't remember things. So I, I'm not going to lie to you. So, uh, you know, I'm very transparent and uh, people get to know me. Uh, and just like the show, you know, you know more about me now than you did before. Exactly. Uh, and uh, that's easy for me because I love people. I always have. I'm, I'm very outgoing and I love people and I love to be around people. And that helps me lead because I love talking to people. And I've learned over the years to be a good listener and really understand what makes people tick. If you can create an environment where people have a path to get to the goal they want to get to. So when I hire somebody, I always say, and I try to hire people who want to do more and bigger things. And my role is their coach. I've actually promoted 29 people from Sumner Regional Medical Center into bigger and more complex jobs. And that's my role as a mentor, to guide them. And And you're trying to hire more. So we have a a hiring thing coming up. We are trying to hire more. As we grow and add all these wonderful services like neurosurgery and robotics and uh, another ER and all these things that we're doing, we need more staff. We need more nurses and we need more respiratory therapists and lab and housekeepers. Uh, If you want a great job in a great hospital, please call us. But we're going to do a two kind of unique recruiting experiences for nurses uh, out here in Sumner County. And we're going to be at Panera Bread on the 16th of May. May from 7 to 9. That's in Gallatin? Uh, in Gallatin. Okay. And their nursing uh, directors are going to be there. Bring your CV. You know, we'll, we can uh, fill out an application there. We're offering up to $20,000 in a sign-on bonus. Okay. Uh, we've got new salary rate for nurses and other positions uh, higher than they have been in the past. Trying to be competitive. You know, everyone needs nurses today. You might hire on the spot, too. We might. So we, we may be able to hire you right there on the spot and uh, let you work close to home in a, in a great environment. Then on the 23rd, which is the following week, we're going to be in Hendersonville at the Panera Bread there from four to six. Okay. Same thing. Yeah. Uh, come prepared. Talk about what you want to do. What makes you happy? What do you want to do in five years? And let us help you do that. We also offer tuition reimbursement. If you want to go back to school and get an advanced degree, uh, paying for that up front. So lots of great reasons to check us out. Well, folks, if you're listening out there, you, nurses may be deciding where you want to go. You're tired of driving downtown, maybe. Yeah. You're tr- driving all this way. Right here in Sumner County, you got a great uh, opportunity right here. And this, why would that not be attractive to people? Let's say, yeah, let's, we hope we're it trying is. to make a change. We hope it is. Nurses have tremendous options nowadays. And, you know, as a young nurse, uh, I, I don't think I had that many options. Went to work at the local hospital and, and stayed there until I was married and we moved off. Uh, but I don't tend to move around a lot. But nurses have a lot of options today. And we want to be the place where you want to work. You know, our, our vision and, and mission, the mission at, at Sumner Regional Medical Center is is you know, to make our community healthier. But our vision is to be the place where people want to work. Physicians want to practice and people want to come for health care. So we want to be that place. So we're going to listen. Our nursing directors are awesome men and women. They are hard workers. They've been in the trenches. They understand the work and they want to mentor 
people who want to come to work for us. Yeah, well, you got a great facility, you got a great location. Everybody wants to be in Sumner County. Yeah, <laughs> isn't it awesome? <laughs> Try to buy a house. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I heard I heard that housing prices are up like 40%, yeah. uh, which is incredible. But you know, that speaks to the development in Nashville. And we all need to be really, really proud of that. And I experienced that exponential growth in Atlanta, and I think we've managed it well here. It's still a really cool place to live you know we've got so many things sports and music mm-hmm. and everything right at our fingertips and great health care we need to be proud of that oh you got to have that that's for that's for sure now what are some of the other things you have going on i mean you, you guys are always busy down there we you got are carrie here she's you know tr- we're trying to keep her busy yeah you know? yeah we, we hired <laughs> carrie who's sitting by me uh she is our new marketing director and the reason i need someone with her uh, wonderful vivacious positive attitude is uh, <laughs> to go out and, and help me communicate this as we build these new programs like neurosurgery and, and robotic surgery and all of the things that we're doing in our emergency room and our outpatient centers. We have 42 physician practices that work with us, primary care and GI and all and OB, all of those things. And, and speaking of OB, uh, there's some awards coming up here through, you know, who's the best in town? I always look forward to those. Okay. I'm a little competitive, as you could probably tell. <laughs> and I want to be the best in everything. And we, for seven years in a row, have been the best place to have a baby. And our, our staff just love it. You know, every single day when a baby's born at Sumner Regional, a lullaby is played. And I always stop, right? no matter what I do, and I smile because I think, you know, that's a new chance at life. And, and that mom and dad are just, in the best moment of their life right then. And it's so cool. So our OB unit is is staff and has phenomenal caregivers. When I round on that unit, the moms always tell me the nurses in labor and delivery were so attentive to me and so good because that's a scary time, especially for first moms. And they were right there by my side. You know, I didn't have much pain. The doctors were right here. And I've just had a phenomenal experience. I just want to share that. If if you're pregnant or, or thinking about having a baby, you should definitely think about Sumner Regional. Well, I can just get one of my older daughters to move up here. So I'm getting ready to be grandpa oh, for the second time. Ab- congratulations. Yeah. Congratulations. So, it'll be like uh, maybe two years apart. So yeah. Yeah, that's going to be if I can just get her to move up here. Which ab- I, I've been trying. Try hard. So yeah. I can entice yeah. her with a great medical facility. Absolutely. To, absolutely. They can do that. care for her and her baby. We do mother-baby experience. We have a wonderful relationship with Vanderbilt. They provide our neonatology and our uh, our neonatology nurses who support our nursery nurses. They're available. They come if there are any issues. Uh, and so we just have a great service. Yeah, well, of course you do. <laughs> Could it not be? So what else do you have going on with the um, different events coming up? Yeah, so we, we've we got several events that are, are happening at the hospital. It is Nurses Week right now, so we are celebrating nurses across the entity. Uh, we, we have a, an event pretty much every day where nurses are celebrated. Free food, candy, you know, they they uh, they celebrate each other and we round with them and, and, you know, give them little gifts just to say thank you for all the great work. And then Hospital Week, we'll have the same thing, pretty much something every day to celebrate all the workers at the hospital for all the contributions, not only just in the last two years of COVID and everything that we've done, but continuing to want to be a servant in your community. You know, it takes a special person to work in a hospital. Not everybody can do it, but those that do it love it. And that's where they want to work. They want to serve their community. Well, like uh, during the pandemic, they, these people are our heroes. 
and they should be recognized as heroes because I mean they're in the trenches. Yeah. And back when you know a year or so ago when we were down deep into this, they, I mean, they were working crazy hours. They were and risking their lives and health to save us. Yeah, So uh, congrats to all the, the nurses and the healthcare professionals for uh, everything that, that you all do because it's, without it, yeah, there would not with, be a thing. Without, <laughs> without it, it's not so good. No, no. <laughs> but I do want to do a special shout out to Sumner County EMS too. You know, as we battled COVID, they were, they were really in the trenches and on the front line. They have been incredibly supportive. You know, when both hospitals were just stretched the max, they were there for us and we're going to try to be there for them so during ems week we go and celebrate with them and they have barbecue and all kinds of special events to celebrate all of the guys that man those trucks guys and women that man those trucks drive the trucks and our emts and you know uh, all the paramedics they work in our er's and they're really you know when you call 911 and you need them you need them fast don't you mm, and you yeah. need them to be good they are right there for us and speaking about EMS uh, i want to talk just a minute about trauma because one of the things that we did right before the pandemic is open up our trauma service we are a level 3 trauma center okay. in Sumner County and many people don't know that so in the state of Tennessee there's three levels of trauma centers 1 2 and 3 so uh, Vanderbilt of course is the only level one trauma center in in Nashville. And then we have a couple of uh, level twos and a couple of level threes. So to be a trauma center, you have to have all the services that you need to provide acute trauma services. So surgeons available to be there in 20 minutes and all the services that you need to care for acute trauma patients. And we have now seen thousands of trauma patients in our ER. And we are looking to do more and expand that as well. Well, and yeah, we have to shout out to Hal Hendricks with the health department and Ken Widener with the, 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 just phenomenal what they did. And during the whole course of the pandemic thing, I mean, Hal was great at keeping us updated uh, with things that are going on, the right. you know vaccination spots, and they did a great job on, on pushing those vaccinations through there and getting everybody what they needed. Right, right. Well, and now that COVID has subsided, it's not gone totally. And right. I, I don't want anyone to hear that it's gone because I just talked to somebody the other day that's positive and at home, but at least now, for the most part, people getting COVID aren't having to come to the hospital. Uh, they have a really bad cold and a cough and they get to take the medicine and stay home. But that being said, a lot of people stayed away from healthcare during COVID. And what we are starting to see now is more advanced cancer and more advanced heart disease. So I wanna really ask all your listeners to encourage their family and pay attention to their own health and come in and take a screening. Do a heart assessment. Go on mysumnermedical.com. There are lots of screenings on there for lung assessments, heart, orthopedic, you know, does your hip hurt? Don't ignore it too long. It doesn't mean you have to have a hip replacement, but it might mean you need other treatment. It's good to catch Uh, it early. Yes, catch Mm -hmm. it early, especially on the heart and lung, because lung cancer can sneak up on you. Heart disease sneaks up on you. And you don't want to wait till that gripping chest pain. You know, if you're having a little something or maybe not, come in and get screened. GI screening. I cannot enforce that enough. Mm. I had a very young friend at the age of 44 who passed from uh, colon uh, cancer. Mm. So come in and get your screening. Do the one at home, either one, but go get screened. And at least then come get for all the women and men out there who it applies to, come get a mammogram. 
uh, don't ignore your own health. Most of us want to keep healthy. We want to keep active. We want to keep going. And those are all the things that are easy to do, and we want to make it easy to schedule. So we've got self-scheduling things when you go on. You can schedule your time. We'll check in with you. If you can't make it that time, we'll reschedule. We want to make it as easy as possible to get those things done. What was the website again? MySumnerMedical.com. Okay. And uh, if you have any questions at all, don't don't hesitate. Just call the hospital. Now, do you have satellite facilities throughout the county? Uh, y- yes. So, well, in addition to satellite, uh, Sumner Station. Mm-hmm. We have medical offices throughout the uh, community, as well as uh, in Trousdale and uh, Smith County and our, our critical access hospitals there. But uh, we have a brand new 3D mammography unit now. Uh, so we put that in about three years ago and we just added another one. So uh, no more 2D. The only kind of mammography you're going to get is the best. Okay. And I don't know about you, but I, I when I go in, I want the very best. I want to know. If there's anything I should worry about or address, I want to know. And I want to know now. And sure. for women out there that are worried about that, we've got a system where our radiologists are on site. It's not somebody on a phone looking at your mammography. It's a doctor who that's their specialty and they're right there at Sumner Station. And if there's a problem, they're gonna come out and talk to you. And then they're gonna work with you to schedule time so that you get the consultation you need right then. I don't know about you, but if I got that kind of word, I want I want to know right now what I want what what do I need to do and how fast can I get in? That's I don't want to wait a week. That's right. So we've worked on that hard, and um, we'll make it happen for you. Well, you know what? I think Sumner County is excited and proud to have you leading Sumner Regionals. It's amazing what you're doing. And I I guess we can just continue talking for another hour. But maybe you have your own medical show. Yeah, there you go. Well, thank you, Jeff. It's my honor to be in this position. And I take it personally. My family uses this hospital and its services. And when you watch your husband get rolled in for a cardiac cath, that's when you know everything you've done better be as good as you think it is and that's why it's important to me well and we thank you and we're glad you're here thank you thank you (laughs) that's going to wrap up this segment of sumner county spotlight we've been talking with uh, susan peach the market president and ceo of sumner regional medical center here in sumner county so stand by we'll be back with more of Sumner County Spotlight. FNM Bank presents Sumner County Spotlights. Since 1906, FNM Bank has been serving Middle Tennessee with first-class products and services. Visit them today at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville or myfmbank.com. And we're back with more of Sumner County Spotlight right here with Jeff Shannon on this Sunday morning. We're going to bring in Mayor Jamie Clary, the mayor of Hendersonville. And I thought it'd be a a good time since he just recently unveiled the state of the city. So, Mayor, thank you so much for coming in. And we got a lot to talk about. We do. Thank you for this opportunity, Jeff. Happy to uh, discuss where we are as a city. That's good. Well, it is an exceptional city, as you say. and that Very it, often. It, it truly is. You know, I mean, there's so many great things that are happening mm-hmm. here. I mean, even since the, the last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at the Music City Studios coming in. You're looking at people looking at Sumner County because, quite frankly, it's a great place to, to be. Well, you, you hit the nail on the head. My theme for the State of the City Address, which I gave... Heck, just a couple days ago, was how fortunate we are. Uh, And I mentioned several ways that the city of Hendersonville is fortunate right now, and we have been for the past year. However, I made sure to mention that we need to prepare for times that are less fortunate. We see what's happened to the economy as a whole across the United States, and that gives everybody reason to pause and to reconsider what their plans are. And I feel the same way about the city, is that we need to be prepared for famine. We need to be prepared for less fortunate times. We are doing very well, and we are very fortunate with some of the projects that are coming to Hendersonville 
and where our finances are for the city and what we're able to offer in parks and services, but we have to be cautious. Well, there's a lot of people moving to this area, and I think a lot of people are finding it hard to find affordable housing. Mm -hmm. And of course, the feds just the other day, 0.5%. I mean, is this probably going to be a weekly thing? Who knows? But I mean, the housing, it seems to be that our population uh, has increased. Mm -hmm. What what are the current stats right now? So the Census Bureau said we had, I think it was was 61,000. I think it was 61,793. I think very specifically is what the (laughs) Census Bureau told us. Uh, Just in the past two years, we've permitted 776 new houses in Hendersonville. And Money Magazine ranked us as the 16th best city to live in across mm-hmm. the country. So we've seen a lot of people that want to live here. In all, we've had 4,700 uh, building permits in just the past year. That's that's commercial, that's residential, that's plumbing, that's electrical, mm-hmm. all of that. But what that tells us is that uh, not are we only attractive city for people to live, but also for businesses. We've had $53 million in non-residential investment in the past year. And so there's some large projects. That doesn't include Music City Studios mm-hmm. or Costco. Uh, that are coming. Costco uh, is anticipated to open in June of next year. Music City Studios, we don't quite have a timeline on them, but those those are large, large projects. Costco, we anticipate, will generate approximately $2 million for the city of Hendersonville in property and sales tax. And the reason that we welcome businesses like that is because of what they provide in tax money. What they provide in tax money allows us to provide services for the people who live here. So of our, of our budget of approximately $58 million, only about, I would say, in the neighborhood of, oh, it's probably about $13 million comes from property tax or residence. So in $58 million budget, only about $13 million comes from property tax on, on residents. Uh, $5 million comes from property tax on commercial, and approximately $16 million comes from sales tax. That's why it is so important that we have businesses coming to Hendersonville. Are we kind of recovering from the pandemic? I think so, but it was interesting to us, is our recovery, well, really, the, economically, yeah. what happened to the city only lasted about four months. It hung on in the, in the neighborhood, in the area of lodging for a little bit longer. But we saw in, see, fiscal year 2020, we had an increase in sales tax of 16%. That ended in, in June of 2020. Fiscal year 2021, we had sales tax increase of 18%. What that meant was a lot more people who live in Hendersonville were spending money in Hendersonville. Davidson County was closed during part of that time. A lot more people outside Hendersonville were spending, inside, spending money inside Hendersonville. But there's another reason, and it just comes down to inflation. Yeah. is that part of the reason that we collected more sales tax was because stuff costs more. And so when you pay $110 versus $100 for something, we're going to collect more sales tax on that. Yeah. However, the downside is stuff costs more. Uh, we had a fire hall three years ago that we started in the process of getting estimates for. We thought fire hall number seven would cost us $2.5 million. We took bids a couple months ago. The lowest was $4.8 million. Crazy. Yeah. Well, even in housing, I mean, I know how that has just really blown up. And, you know, a lot of the big builders, you know, have the access to, to, to supplies and things like that. But there still are some slowdowns with that. But, you know, even talking groceries, building supply, whatever. I mean, everything has gone up. I think a lot of people are complaining, well, has the the salaries increased as well to, to, to cover that? And I, I, this is going to be, a, I, I guess, an endless fight on all of that. So it's interesting you say that. It's two months ago. 
ago when I looked at what the CPI was doing, what inflation was doing, I told our staff that they need to plan for 6% pay increases for all of their staff. So citywide, 6% pay increase. At the time, most of us thought that 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 was a little bit generous. And I did it not because I was generous. I did it because I want to keep our staff. We're having a hard time hiring right now. We have positions that are $80,000 positions that we can't get qualified applicants for. So knowing that, as well as knowing the the demand on our services. Look, if, if we don't have park staff, we can't have soccer fields and softball fields that are mowed. If we don't have code staff, we can't move buildings along in the building process. Yeah. So we've got to have full staff. So that 6%, like I said, seemed a, a little bit high, but here we are at the beginning of May and we're almost reconsidering that 6% might be a little bit low. Uh, I'm not one to say we need to grow big government or give government employees a higher pay, but if we want to keep them, we've got to pay competitively. Right. And it's crazy what uh, people are offering now. Yes. And still can't find people to work. I mean, they're giving huge incentives. We were Mm -hmm. talking with Susan Peach with uh, Sumner Regional Medical Mm -hmm. Center, and they're talking up to $20,000 sign-in bonuses, and they're still having trouble getting people to work. So we, uh, approximately 75% of our city budget is salaries. Approximately 75% of our salaries are firefighters and police officers. We do not want to lose those folks. That is true. We do not. And other cities and private companies are offering them more money. Now we, our our benefits are incredibly uh, competitive, but when you're talking about folks that are coming in, uh, a lot of them younger, they're just looking at what the salary is. Mm-hmm. They're not thinking about what the retirement, what the pensions are. They're looking at what the salary. Yeah. And uh, so we've got to be, we've, we are we are very cognizant of the, of the fact that we need to be competitive because we want people to be safe in Hendersonville. Well, and we have such a great track record with the, you know, the great services that the police department offers and the, the fire department, uh, exceptional. I mean, they're, they're just constantly, you know, impressing everybody yeah. with their, their feats of of grandeur that they do. (laughs) They're really good. (laughs) One thing I talk about our fire department is they are very good at preventing news. That's the kind of fire department I want. There you go. Uh, I never heard it that way, but that's a yeah. good point. Uh, I sit with a, a scanner right behind my my desk, and I hear the calls that go out to the fire department and to the police department. Very few people know of all the calls that they go on because they'll show up to what is a small fire that doesn't get bigger. They show up to an emergency situation where they're able to provide medical attention to somebody immediately, mm-hmm. and they're 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 able to prevent small situations from becoming larger situations. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, they're they're the best and you know, mm-hmm. we appreciate everything that they do for real. In regards to the road situation, mm-hmm. and I know this always comes up mm-hmm. and I know you talk about it constantly mm-hmm. and because it's it's one of the things that people usually will will start off with. Mm-hmm. How is our road situation looking at this point? So we're we're still behind and we were behind when when I came into office approximately 5 years ago. We really should have been spending 3 million dollars for the past 10 years or so. We had some years where it's just down to a couple hundred thousand dollars before I came in. We've we budgeted 2.9 million dollars for the current fiscal year. We added 500,000. The city has never in its history spent that high amount of money, $3.4 million in a fiscal year. We are almost finished with all of our road repaving for the fiscal year. The fiscal year ends at the end of June. I received a picture from some folks on Shiloh Ridge just the other day, and it had four smiling faces with a fresh pavement in the background. That's good to see. That's good to see. Um, and we're doing our best to make sure that we can maintain that 2.9 and hopefully go back to the $3.4 million yeah. for road repaving next year. It's a situation where um, we have several roads 
that are very, very bad, but they're not high on our list. And mm-hmm. that's embarrassing to me. We've had some roads, especially because of drainage problems that have deteriorated so badly, but because they don't have as much traffic as some other roads do, we have to put some of those roads off, some of the worst roads off. And it is very embarrassing to me. And it's difficult because we just, the city ignored them for so long. We're getting there. And um, I, I love those pictures of smiling faces. Yeah. Well, I know Saundersville Road just had an uh, uplift, which mm-hmm. was kind of nice because it was getting a little bumpy it's through very there. very smooth now. Uh-huh. <laughs> Always like that. Now, let me ask you a question. Since we're on Saundersville Road, mm-hmm. and, and I don't know if you have the, the latest and current information mm-hmm. on the tunnel, but uh, mm-hmm. where, where are we at on that? So I mentioned a few minutes ago about the the increased cost to build a fire station. We went from 2.5 to uh, 4.8. Three years ago, we anticipated that the tunnel to go under CSX railroad tracks at exit eight would cost eight to $10 million for construction. That was three, four years ago. I cannot imagine what the cost for construction oh, would be now. Yeah. Three years ago, we knew that the city itself could not cover that cost. To give you an idea, for the city to spend $10 million on a project, on a project like that, we would have to almost double the property tax rate in Hendersonville. I'm not willing to do that. I don't think the alderman will to do that. I don't think most people in Hendersonville want that, to have their property taxes doubled. So with the help of Tennessee Department of Transportation, we have been applying for some federal grants. Uh, there's a couple different federal grant programs that uh, we have gone through the process of, and we've been denied three times. That's the bad news. The good news is every time we've been denied, we move up on that list for the next round of those grant programs. The other good news is that the federal government, at least good news for us, provided some infrastructure money just recently that will help us with those federal grants. It will increase the size of those grants, increase the number of grants that are awarded. So at the same time that we've moved up on the list, we anticipate that more projects will be awarded those grants. The construction costs, like I said, don't know where it will go, but we will continue to try to have the construction costs covered by those grants and we'll continue to, to apply for those. That's a long answer to say, I don't know. But the alternative to I don't know is we would have to double the tax rate in Hendersonville. I'm fine continuing to apply for those grants and answering I don't know. Now, CSX, they're not contributing oh. anything to that. That's no, no, they <laughs> a aren't. whole different story. Yeah, for those of you who couldn't see my face, I sort of grimaced there for a second. CSX on that project, is a real, they're certainly not contributing, ex- unless you talk about contributing to the expense of it. And then we also have the project of aligning Old Shackle Island Road and Walton Ferry Road, which doesn't even reach the railroad tracks. But there are some drainage considerations there that CSX has also contributed toward the expenses of. Dealing with CSX in Hendersonville is uh, uh, incredibly frustrating. I understand that they were here before we were, and I understand that they would like us to close all of our at-grade railroad crossings. Uh, But boy, it sure would be nice to have a, a, a little bit uh, more assistance from them. Yeah, and sp- speaking of the railroad tracks there at, at Winston Hills, I thought at one point they did some construction on there, but it peer- apparently made it worse because it's you almost bottom your car out. I'm surprised yeah. there haven't been more crashes through there. Yeah, it's um uh, again the, the, their solution is for us to close the at grade crossings, which we're trying to do. We are trying to create a tunnel there. Mm-hmm. It, at one point they had given us permission to bore, to bore and to create the tunnel while the railroad tracks were there. 18 months later, they came back and said that we would have to build parallel railroad tracks so the train uh, <laughs> trains would, would absolutely not be interrupted at all. So we're going to have to build a parallel a parallel portion of railroad wow. tracks for about a quarter mile. Well, we'll, we'll stand by. <laughs> yes. <laughs> See yes. what happens. Yes. But I, I you know, love the thing at the, the Walton Ferry Shackle alignment. Mm-hmm. It, it was looking promising because there was some work done and then that kind of just 
stopped a little bit, and yeah. now we're in it for another 13 years. Well, <laughs> I don't think anybody's excited to see buildings torn down as I will. When yeah. I was when the old bank building was torn down, and then now what was a used car lot across the street has been torn down. Uh, the next step is the old gas station that's there, and uh, look forward to that happening. It's an entirely a state project managed by the state. Mm-hmm. We contribute. The city of Hendersonville contributes toward that. It is managed by TDOT, and times that frustrates me, and at times that brings joy to me, <laughs> knowing that the uh, the hurdles and the uh, roadblocks that they faced on that only TDOT is is really prepared and equipped to get over some of those. Well, that's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. We're going to take a, a quick break, but I have a question for everybody, and uh, let's just just pick one of these right here. Since we're talking about Walton Ferry, I don't this the ties into it, but Sam Walton was not, question mark, he was not this. We'll have that answer for you when we come back <laughs> with more of Sumner County Spotlight. FNM Bank presents Sumner County Spotlights. Since 1906, FNM Bank has been serving Middle Tennessee with first-class products and services. Visit them today at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville or myfmbank.com. All right, we're back with more Summer County Spotlight, uh, speaking with uh, Hendersonville Mayor Jamie Clary right now. When we left in the last segment, I had a question for you. The question is, got to listen to it. It's got Sam Walton was not, question mark. And then you had a series of uh, answers here. So was he a local resident who recently was arrested for feeding deer? the founder of Walmart, the first city manager of Hendersonville, the first president of the Hendersonville Area Chamber of Commerce. Anybody have a, an answer? I can't hear you, but you, you know, go ahead. So the mayor actually is, is going to answer that for us. So, uh, Jeff, it's an oddly worded question, um, but the answer is A. There's been nobody arrested for feeding the deer in Hendersonville. However, when I speak publicly, I make sure that I mention, don't feed the deer in Hendersonville. Right. It's illegal. It's bad for you. It's bad for the deer. Uh, Sam Walton was the founder of Walmart, but a different gentleman by the name of Sam Walton was also the city's first city manager in 19, I think he was hired in 1970. Um, uh, and he was also uh, the founder of the Hendersonville Chamber of Commerce. So whenever I speak to the Chamber of Commerce, I make sure to mention in, mention that Sam Walton was the founder of the Chamber of Commerce. And two years ago, we started providing an award to people in Hendersonville for their community service. It's called the Sam Walton Volunteer Community Service Award. This year, we provided it to Don Goodwin. Two years ago, it was to Taylor Rowe and to Mauricio Sanchez. Last year, Danielle Slack. What Don Goodwin has done to earn this is that Don has been a reserve police officer officer for our police department for the past six years. Reserve means free. And this isn't somebody that comes that, that comes to us and doesn't help us. This is somebody that comes to us with 45 years experience working for Davidson County Police Department. <laughs> so after he retired from there, he started working as a reserve officer for us. He spends most of his time training some of our some of our new folks, but anybody who spends 40 hours a week over six years, they deserve some sort of recognition. And yeah. I felt like Don absolutely deserved it. No, absolutely. I mean, yeah. that's uh, it's great. I think when we we recognize folks because mm-hmm. the, the one thing that I have found since we've we've moved here is people love this community and they love to be a part of it and they love to help out in the mm-hmm. community, whether in, in catastrophes or just people in need. So that's that's a great thing, and I think it's what draws people here. Oh, I think you're exactly right interesting you mentioned catastrophes is when we had the tornado hit in in December I say this very often is that we were fortunate 
we were fortunate in a couple ways. It hit at three o'clock in the morning on a Saturday and in December. So at three o'clock in the morning on a Saturday, there weren't many vehicles out there. We had so many trees, that thousands of trees that fell on the roads. Fortunately, not many vehicles were out there. Everything they damaged was replaceable. Mm-hmm. Um, we had two houses that were completely destroyed and one of the owners of that house, of one of those houses, talked about how fortunate she felt and how wealthy she felt after that happened because the people that showed up to help. But also we were fortunate because when, since it hit in December, our public works department, they had the capacity to go out there and respond immediately and continue mm-hmm. to work on that. December, you're typically not paving roads. You don't have as much trash to pick up. You don't have as much grass to mow. So they had capacity to help. But there's another way that was fortunate that not only our public works department had capacity, but so did Gallatin, who sent help. And Goodlettsville and Millersville in the mm-hmm. county, they sent help, as well as Rogers Group. Rogers Group is the company that paves our roads for us. But in mm-hmm. December, they don't pave roads. So they sent equipment and crews to come and pick up tree limbs wow. at no cost to us. We were very fortunate in that situation. Yeah, no, it, that, that definitely was a mess. In fact, we were looking at a house to buy down there on the peninsula where mm-hmm. it hit. And I came by and I saw all that the destruction down there and they mm-hmm. actually were repairing the roof. <laughs> so to give you an example, we had 1,100 houses that had tree damage. That's one out of every 18 houses in Hendersonville. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and, and again, everybody you know steps up to the plate. And, and speaking of catastrophes and stuff like that, I you know, we were talking the budget earlier and I, I know the budget, we have to have something built in just in case something like this ever happens again. Is that correct? We do. We have been fortunate, like I mentioned, about the sales tax and what's happening in Hendersonville with the sales tax. Intentionally, we have held on to and reserved more money than we have in the past. Just a couple years ago, we only had $3.1 million in our rainy day fund. That's now above $18 million. And it's important to me that we have that there for a catastrophe such Mm -hmm. as that, or in the case, you know, or an economic catastrophe. Uh, If we have a couple years where our sales tax doesn't go where it needs to go or if we have you know some significant expense that we have so to have 18 million dollars unreserved in the bank to me is responsible we've seen other cities that have gotten in trouble because they haven't prepared for that famine yeah. i started talking about how fortunate we are but we sort of need to prepare for that famine or hard times yeah. or lean times what typically happens in cities when economic troubles hit is they start to cut back and in most of the cities, that means public safety. If you cut back on public safety, people aren't going to want to live in your city anymore. That's right. Then what happens is a lot of those cities has to have to raise property tax. You cut back on public safety and raise property tax, nobody wants to live in your city anymore. <laughs> yeah. We never want to be in that situation. That's why it's important for us to have those reserves. So if we're in an emergency situation, we don't have to cut back on public safety, and we don't have to immediately raise property taxes. How about another shout out to the uh, Parks Department? Okay. And let me tell you, I- I'm just so impressed with our new inline hockey facility. And, uh, you know, I know the guys over at Olympian Construction did a, a phenomenal job in a in a fast amount of time. I was amazed how fast it went up, but it is just a stellar complex, and you know it's got to be a big, huge draw for the city of Hendersonville. So it is. In fact, we had a tournament on the uh, inline hockey rinks before we actually had opened the inline hockey rinks. <laughs> the, the folks who constructed it did a great job to get us to the point that we could have a tournament that we had scheduled a little bit. Then we closed it back down for a couple weeks to finish uh, some of the surrounding uh, infrastructure, really. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's it's not just inline hockey, and it's not just, you know, and it's not just kids. We are seeing our parks programs just draw so many folks, kids and adults, mm-hmm. from inside Hendersonville and from outside Hendersonville. I've had some stats that I've that I've published in the past about, you know, the different programs and how much they, they're growing. It's soccer, it's flag football, it's tackle football, it's lacrosse, and it's pickleball. So really? uh, pickleball showed up on the top, close to the top of a survey we recently conducted. What was needed in Hendersonville rec- in, in recreation, 
that we don't have. Uh, and that showed up way at the top of that. So we've been providing pickleball on temporary courts in Memorial Park. Uh, and we are going to build four to eight new courts in Memorial Park uh, in, in the next year. But overall, in the picture of, of Parks and Rec, is that we have so many people coming from outside and spending nights and spending money for tournaments and events that we're seeing an increase in sales tax and we're seeing an increase in lodging tax. So much so that we believe that two hotels are going to break, two more hotels are going to break ground in Hendersonville in the next yes, year. I saw that. That's great. Mm-hmm. I got a question for you. Okay. What's a what's a TIF? A TIF. Perfect. A TIF. <laughs> so in another area of recreation, <laughs> we have the goat farm, which is going to be on, on Chutes Lane, right at the border of Hendersonville and Gallatin. Mm-hmm. There are three pieces of property that are part of that TIF, and I'll explain it in just a second. One of those pieces of property is inside Hendersonville and it's owned by Randy Smith. The other two pieces of property are outside Hendersonville on the other side of Chutes Lane and uh, that, w- that will be where the ice hockey facility is. A TIF stands for Tax Increment Financing and that's going to be the mechanism to fund the building costs for ice hockey as well as some of the infrastructure. So that I, the tax increment, that I stands for the increase in property tax. Right now Randy Smith pays approximately $8,000 in property tax on his property. He's going to continue paying that eight thousand dollars. He's the city is going to continue getting that eight thousand dollars. He is also going to pay more property tax because his property is going to become more valuable, and he's going to be charged more property tax. That additional property tax is going to go into a separate bucket. That bucket then goes to pay off the debt that built the ice hockey rink and the infrastructure there. The city is going to continue to get the eight thousand dollars from him. We're not giving up anything. Mm -hmm. If you want to say we're giving up something, really, only thing we're giving up is what we don't have right now. Um, We're giving up that increment at the end of the time that that debt is paid off, then the city gets. It's all the property tax. Okay. So it'll go from eight. It'll go from eight thousand to probably a couple hundred thousand. Uh, in the course of about twenty years, we're going to sure. continue to get that eight thousand. We're not losing it, uh, and then we'll get much, much more afterward. In the meantime, we're going to have ice hockey, and we're going to have a wonderful facility in the goat farm right there across the street from Hendersonville, and we'll be generating sales tax from that, and we'll have yeah, more that's people. Gonna, that's going to be an incredible it facility, it and I'm trying it to will. get the guys from uh, you know Danny Butler in here to, to talk oh, about okay. it and, and finding out what what kind of timeline we're yeah. looking at. Do you yeah. have any? No numbers on that? I don't. And part of that is that we have a lot of programs that go through our Parks and Recs Department. This is not one. Right. You know, this is completely private, completely separate. Our Parks our parks Department will not be involved with it at all. We're very excited it's going to happen, uh, but we don't have much involvement. And I'm okay with that yeah. because um, the, the cost to build this and the cost of management are significant, and I think it should be done in private hands. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the other things in your State of the City message that you find that uh, people need to know now? Oh, well, I'm very proud of this, and um, and a lot of people don't know this, is that we have the city-owned golf course, Country Hills Golf Course, that has really turned around the past couple of years. Four or five years ago, actually longer than that, there's a downturn in the number of people who want to play golf. If you're not in the golf business, don't get the golf business. If you are in the golf business, take care of your assets. I don't think that government should be in the golf business, but 30 years ago, some folks long before I was, uh, I was in city government decided that we should have a city-owned golf course. We have a city-owned golf course. I feel like we need to take care of that. The property values around the golf course are higher because people like living next to a golf course. We want to maintain that golf course, but at the same time, we want to make sure that it pays for itself. A couple years ago, we were headed on a trend, a downward trend, that it looked like taxpayers were going to have to subsidize that golf course. It had never happened before. We were headed that direction. We made some changes on our golf course commission. These are volunteers that guide the golf course. They know a little bit of golf, but an awful lot about business. We started working a little bit closer with our management company, the Raskin Company, and turned things around. We've had a record amount of rounds played, and we've also, uh, I want to say, in the neighborhood of a net revenue above two hundred thousand dollars. Whereas in the past, the net revenue has has been has been in the negatives. So 
we've really turned it around and it's going quite well. And honestly, that's just a, a, a testament to the five people on the golf course commission more than anything else. Has there been any any talk about expanding like the meeting space there? I know they have a small meeting room and it's just, you know, it hold a, a small thing. They have some weddings there, things yeah. of that nature. Has there been any talk about expanding that? So we've had some informal conversations about that because for a long time, really up until about the past two years, not much happened in that space. Mm-hmm. We encourage we encouraged the uh, golf course commission and the management company to reach out a little more and try to get more events that were there. And, and they've done that. The problem I have with really reaching out and being, say, more more, um, more business-like about it or, or market it more is that I don't want to compete with companies and businesses that pay property tax and sales mm. tax. I want those companies to thrive. You know, when it comes to, we have several venues that put on birthday parties for kids and we have several venues that, that rent space and hotels and, and meeting rooms. Mm. I don't want to compete with them. They've invested here. They've spent their money. They've taken risk. They're paying property tax and sales tax. I want them to do very well. At the same time, I want my golf course to pay for itself. If we can find that happy orbit, I'm okay with it. Yeah. Well, there's so much in this wheel (laughs) that you have to cover, I mean, on a daily basis. And uh, as Hendersonville continues to progress and grow and attract more people to coming here and also, you know, with the building and the commercial as well as residential uh, growing, it's just got to be a huge task. And you, you hit on something there. Do I have another 30 seconds? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. So you hit on something there about a business is coming here. The whole business landscape, the whole business recruitment landscape has changed drastically in the past two years. Uh, we had an economic development assistant for the city of Hendersonville whose main job was to recruit businesses come to Hendersonville. We did very well in that. We had Vanderbilt Hospital move out here. We had uh, St. Thomas located here. Uh, we've got Costco coming here that should open June of next year. Music City Studios committed to coming here. Uh, TOA just down the road from here. Uh, several large professional employers moving to Hendersonville. We've got a new car dealership on West Main Street coming here. We've got Hallmark car dealership expanding on West Main. So we've done well with recruiting businesses. What we haven't done so well with is trying to get some of those office uh, office complexes out here. Worked on that for for several several years, and then COVID hit, and people. People don't go to offices yeah. and and certainly developers don't build offices like they like they used to so we've had to we've had to pivot a little bit and try to figure out what it is that we need in terms of economic development so we've changed that position and we're going to hire somebody for that position in the next couple months still the primary role for that person will be business recruitment mm-hmm. they'll be out there still working with businesses and trying to get the message out there about Hendersonville and we're open to businesses locating here they'll still be doing that secondly though they're going want to assist the existing businesses that are here. They also will help shepherd businesses that are interested in coming to Hendersonville. And they are going to also help write and manage grants to the planning department. So that role is going to expand from just really, really one responsibility to four. And I've got to say also that the whole idea of shepherding business is something that we've probably failed at a little bit. And part of that is my fault. When a business makes the first phone call to City Hall that they want to invest in Hendersonville, they, they need help going through the permitting process all sorts of approvals, possibly the zoning process. We want one person to be their point person so they can get answers. And that's going to be part of this role of the new person. That's a great idea. Mm -hmm. So in our uh, closing moments here, any uh, final thoughts? Well, I go back to to what we opened with is that we're a very fortunate city. Um, Money Magazine saw us as the 16th best city to live in. I've Mm -hmm. mentioned that many, many times. And we are very fortunate. A lot of people see the value of living in Hendersonville and moving their businesses to Hendersonville. At the same time, we've got to be prepared for what's 
coming down the road. We, financially, we're in, we're in good shape. Hope to continue that, but we have to be prepared for what's coming right. down the road. And in, in the final word here, what is your favorite word you use very <laughs> frequently? And it's so appropriate, though. So very often I use the word exceptional when I talk about Hendersonville. In fact, uh, inside Hendersonville and outside Hendersonville, uh, I tell people as I introduce myself that I'm the mayor of the exceptional city of Hendersonville. <laughs> and uh, like I said, I do that I do that in many, many places. I feel we are an exceptional city for, for many, many reasons. And, uh, and I always finish when I give my State of the City speech with these words. And those are that we live in the best city, in the best state, in the best country of the world. And I'm very thankful to be its mayor. That's a great way to close right there. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this edition of Summer County Spotlight. Uh, your host, Jeff Shannon here. We've been speaking with uh, Hendersonville Mayor Jamie Clary, and we appreciate his time coming in here. So we will check in next week for more of FNM Bank's Sumner County Spotlight right here at WHIN. This is Jeff Shannon saying so long. Sumner County Spotlight on 100.7 WHIN 1010 AM has been brought to you exclusively by FNM Bank, 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville. Whether you need personal banking, banking for your business, a home mortgage, or considering refinancing your home, FNM Bank will provide you with excellent service right here in Sumner County. Visit them today at myfmbank.com. Sumner County Spotlight will return next Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Thanks for listening.